Is there not an entire section on this subject? I know yes. that I may have changed my mind in the meantime on that, so it's unfair. I may have I may have changed my mind about Mithra, for example. Is, is, your, is your book for sale about it? Yes, sir. What have you ever asked God for forgiveness? I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. Let me tell you, 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 let me let me tell you, 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 I'm going to have to really try hard to check my temper. Um, I have to remember that my daughter is asleep right in the room above me, and i got to work on keeping my volume down to where I don't wake her up. So this is going to be a test in patience and self-control. So um, we'll see if those fruits of the Spirit uh, move in me Lord help me, seriously, Lord help me, because um, the main thing I'm going to talk about today has got me really, really irritated, um, so we're going to get to that, but first, I, I mean, we've got to address it, um, another situation of a young black person uh, killed for, for, not that they're, I mean, I guess sometimes there is a reason for killing, for, you know, self-defense, stuff like that. Another young black person killed for no reason. And the majority of time, there is no reason. Uh, so this is Breonna Taylor, um, a, a, a young black woman. Uh, this, by no means do I think that her situation was racially motivated. This was a, a case of really, really, really bad police work. Um, so, young black woman killed by police. It, 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 but it doesn't fit the same narrative that we've seen in the in the past, where um, it's based off of fear or any of these other things. This was just really crappy police work. They essentially were excuse me, serving a no-knock warrant to apparently the wrong address. Um, so they're at the wrong place, pound, and not pounding on the wrong door, kicking in the wrong door. Um, her boyfriend comes out, rightfully so, with a, with a weapon, with a, a, a handgun, I believe, to defend his home, their home. Maybe it was hers. I'm not sure whose apartment it was. I don't think they were married. It was a boyfriend, so I don't, maybe they were living together. It was theirs. You know, again, well, judgments on marriage and so on aside. You know, he was protecting that home from what he can he assumed was a break-in because these police are serving a, a no-knock warrant at the wrong place for a person that was already in police custody. So bad communication, bad GPS. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, this it boggles the mind why this uh, 
happen the way that it happened. And unfortunately, the life of a young black woman is taken. And we end up back in the same place that we were just uh, two weeks ago with the Ahmad Arbery situation, which that one, I, I still look at the, uh, the, the facts of that. And I go that I'm, I'm still pretty convinced that that's racially motivated that. And again, I, I don't like to play the what ifs, but because a, a black man was looking through a, a construction, a house under construction White men took it upon themselves to hunt this man down when they should not have done so, should not have done so with weapons. There was no no viable reason for a citizen's arrest. But and and then we see another loss of life. So we're 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 right back into the same hashtag narrative of I run with Maud and uh you know, hashtag Brianna Taylor, hashtag um Philandro Castile, hashtag, you name it. We, it's the hashtag, you know, and here's, here's what I want to kind of talk about tonight, tonight, earlier, well, last night, um, I had the privilege of, of joining in again with, with Kurt Kennedy and a lot of people from his church and, and some other people that, that joined in on the conversation on, a um, just a zoom, discussion and the the title of it was dear god um why are things still so hard between blacks and whites um so we had done one a couple weeks ago on COVID 19 so it's really cool to to be able to engage in these and it was i really do i appreciate kurt um putting in the time and the research and and so on and so oh, he, he played a clip and the main thing we kind of talked about was you know, this, this cultural thing of, um, and the pathology behind a lot of the racial tension is that it was put forth. And I mean, it, it's been around for a long time, but ultimately in the, the, the film, the birth of a nation, it was literally put forth that, that there is the black men or black people are prone to violence and criminality. And so we, we talked a lot about that and, uh, still, I mentioned uh, last week in, in the episode I did about Ahmaud Arbery uh, that Kurt had, had tweeted out, I don't fit the description of a crime. I fit the description of your fear. And ultimately, that's where this whole thing came from. And uh, and it, the the narrative comes from and and the pathology that, that yeah, has been adopted. We... And, and myself to a point, but not so much because, again, I've I've grown up with a lot, a lot of black friends. Um, and I never saw, I mean, the narrative was there. It's not like I didn't know that this was a common conception for, that, that black people were prone to violence and, and criminality and so on. I mean, in the music and the culture and so on. But I came from a place where I'm like, I know these people and I don't see it. I mean, it was not until I joined the army and, and, and I'm not one of those guys that never knew anybody who was black until I joined the army. We had people, I knew guys, white guys that had never met a black person until they joined the army. And I, I found that amazing. Um, 
And so, but my experience was, you know, none of the black friends and black people that I had ever met had any of this propensity uh, towards violence or criminality. None of them. You know, I used to tease a couple of guys that I knew going through through high school, guys that we would be driving down the street and they would have, you know, that was in the the late 80s, early 90s. So the days of boom, 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 right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, we'd be we'd be cruising and they would have um, have F the police, NWA just blaring. Right. And, and, you know, we're rolling and we're attitude and, you know, windows down, arms out, you the whole nine. And then they'd see a cop and turn it down real quick. And I'd clown them. I'm like, like, you ain't hard. Right. I mean, if, if you're going to if you're going to play the song, you, you might as well play it for the cop that you're driving by. But they turn it down and, you know, hands at 10 and two and so on. And and, and maybe that came from fear of what happens when black men get pulled over by police. But for me and, and my knowledge of, of these guys was it, that was just their personality. None of these guys were really hard. I mean, we all acted hard, you know, when we were out in public and around other people and stuff like that. But I mean, as soon as, you know, the, 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 the doors were closed and you're inside, you know, you're playing Nintendo or whatever it was, or, or Dungeons and Dragons or, or whatever, you know, the, the attitude was completely different. So I never believed that, even though I knew it was out there, my experience was not that. So, um, but when it comes down to, I mean, first off, before I get into this next little, my little, my thoughts on, on why we still have, and I didn't get to a point where I shared this. I shared a couple of things in the, the discussion with Kurt, but, um, you know, we get to this place any time any of these things come up. Of course, now Black Lives Matters is coming back up again, and and so on, and and you know the hashtags, and then of course what happens on the white side of the deal is we immediately go to, and this is going to move into you. You'll catch the transition here. We immediately go to the All Lives Matter. Well, that's again, it's not helpful. We, we talked a little bit about this, you know, nobody when we when we see uh, anti-Semitism or, you know, or anything like that where where Jews are being um, persecuted. No one is, you know, and I mean, of course, we don't see the same Jewish lives matter or anything like that, but no one's telling the Jews to get over the Holocaust. No one's telling them or going, well, anti-Semitism is it's just a figment of your imagination and things have gotten so much better. It's a recognition thing. But when this happens on, on with, with blacks and Black Lives Matter comes up, automatically we, there, there's a, a, a pushback. And I think the reason why is, and, and here, here's a, you know, ultimately why we still have issues in race and so on is pride. You know, we talked a little bit about it again, total depravity, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and so on. But there's this attitude of pride. You know, this narrative has been going on for years. I mean, if, 
what Kurt posited was, uh, you know, it kind of began with um, the birth of a nation and that movie going out and being such a, uh, you know, the the state of the art breaking um, groundbreaking cinema for its time and becoming such a th- huge thing. I mean, even up until the 1970s, this movie from 1915 was still being used to recruit people for the KKK. And so, you know, whether or not it started there or that was just what what catapulted the the pathology into the American psyche. The problem is, is nobody wants to admit that they're wrong. Right. The pride is there that nobody wants to admit that they're wrong. So rather than doing what we should do as Christians, and that is recognize the pain. There is a community here. And I mean, the list goes on and on. I meant to to go back and and pull up one Facebook. um, Let me see if I can find it real quick as we do this. Um, Do, 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 do. Here, let me let me see if I can find this um, this post again. But again, the list of names um, and hashtags uh, just goes on and on and on and on. And so the point is, is um, man, I wish I could find this. Do, 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 do. Sorry, this is this is this is great um, podcasting. I know I'm I'm so good at this all the time. Um, I just because and again, I mean, this is, is something that I, I can't remember all the names. You know, I mean, we know the names. We know. Um, I can't find it. So. You know, but hashtag Philandro Castile, hashtag uh, Freddie Gray, fresh, hashtag. Um, God, why can I not remember? See, here's a here again. Here is herein lies the problem: is is our soundbite society that it happens in a week or two later, it's gone. Tamir Rice, uh, Trayvon Martin. Um, I, I don't generally. Um, include Mike Brown in the list. Um, but, um, Freddie Gray, uh, wow. Uh, So again, the list goes on and on and you know what I'm talking about, but we should be, this is a community that has in the last two years, three years has experienced so much of this very public, very uh, unnecessary loss of life. And now, okay, and and we can we can make the argument that well, white people die all the time, and da da da, and and ever you know, people want to throw out Chicago and black people killing black people. None of that is helpful, and none of that is the way that is we, we as Christians should respond. We weep with those who mourn. 
immediately we should we should rather than going you know what like with Ahmad Arbery where everyone was oh well what was he doing what was he doing that got he was jogging now we get get further information that he had been inside a home but nothing that says he was there to steal or anything he didn't take anything nothing but people just respond to well what did he do and it's you know again we we find ourselves in these these places and i i look at uh, an example of one time being in uh, acacia park in colorado springs and seeing uh, a homeless guy and he was black he had a bike and a guitar and uh one person that was with me uh made the comment and my my assumption you know and and so there was a conversation that happened a couple of people were there one person says you know wow look at it you know it's, I, I i don't know what how it we got to the point of this guy has a guitar homeless how does a homeless person have a bike and a guitar or something like that one of the people was like well he probably stole it that was their first re gut response mine was my my first gut response is those are his last remaining uh worldly possessions you know and so again different attitudes different upbringings who knows what it is that that causes that but as Christians, we should not immediately go to, we, and, and I'm the guy that says, wait for all the facts. But the, the first fact that we know is that somebody died. You know, even in the Mike Brown case, and, and we can get into that. This is, you know, it began the, the hands up, don't shoot. And the narrative came back that he actually attacked Officer Darren Wilson, they struggled for a, a, a weapon and so on. Um, could it have been the same situation as Ahmad Arbery? I mean, he was running and he comes around the truck and there's a guy with a gun and he went to, in fear for his life, the assumption that he went after the gun. I mean, he could have run on, but then give the guy his back and be shot in the back. But the Mike Brown narrative was there was that wasn't a, a, a concern that wasn't a, a a threat at this point he was just coming at the officer so that all that aside the first thing that should have been done and and you know i love the fact that in in kurt kennedy's song justice uh he meant he says it in there have we forgotten that they just lost a son who cares about the rest of the the information and the rest of the facts at this point the one fact that we know is this person is dead. Tamir Rice was dead. Trayvon Martin was dead. Philandro Castile was dead. Ahmaud Arbery was dead. Mike Brown was Brad. Brianna Taylor is dead. Our first response should be to weep with those who mourn, to mourn with those who mourn. Her family, that we see pictures of her, and I don't know if it's a husband or a boyfriend. Well, of course, it's, and the story is it's a boyfriend. So... Um, through the news, but we see pictures of her. So this boyfriend has lost his, his, his girlfriend, sister, you know, brothers of, and sisters have lost their sibling. Mothers have lost their daughter. Our first initial reaction should not be to go, well, let's immediately look to find the way to show that 
the police or the white people were not in the wrong, that there was some reason why this person probably should have died. And no, we stop and we say we mourn with those who mourn. We weep with those who weep. That should be our, and none of us is on, you know, and, and unless you're actually somebody investigating the case, but for the majority of the people on Facebook and so on, that we see these things coming out, we're not the investigators. We're not, so let them do their job. Let them do their job and then we'll see the facts come out later and so on and we can deal with it then. Immediately our concern should be the state of their soul. Was this girl saved? Was Ahmaud Arbery saved? Is his family? Are their families? How can we pray for them? How can we share the gospel with them? How can we, how can we, Get God's truth and God's comfort to them. That should be the concern of the Christian, white, black, or otherwise. But yet we find ourselves in these places where there's so much pride of, well, this is the narrative we've always known. They must have been up to something. And and the pride that says, I don't want to admit that I was wrong about this narrative. I mean, I have the benefit of growing up with a lot of black friends um, who gave me through their personality and, and through being able to observe their lives that I knew that this narrative was BS. Now, are there some black people out there who are prone to, to violence and criminality? Well, just the same amount as there are white people and Hispanic and Asian and so on because of total depravity and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, sin, violence, criminality is not a racial thing. It's a human condition thing. And it, it, you know, some sin is more violent and more, you know, criminal than others. Whereas some sin is just pornography or whatever it is that you sit, you, what you deal with. So we mourn with those who mourn. And I spent way more time talking about this than, I, than I, I had expected to. But obviously, it's an important issue. And we need to figure out a way to, to get beyond it. We've got to, to, to get rid of the pride and be willing to go, I was wrong about this. Pray for Brianna's family. Pray for Ahmaud Arbery. Pray for Mike Brown's family. Pray for all these families who have lost. And rather than immediately, you know, going political one way or the other, and, you know, well, all lives matter. You know what? It's okay to, to understand that when a black person dies, that someone's going to come out and say black lives matter, and that's not a problem for me. And then we can, we can, you know, move on and share the gospel, which carries the fact that all lives matter. Does that make sense? So I hope that, you know, hope that's helpful for you guys. Here's what I really want to talk about. And here's what's really got me irritated this week. Really, really irritated this week. This uh, person here in this picture Jail deputy recovers from COVID-19. This is uh, my cousin. And uh, I've never met him. I've never had a conversation with him. He is a distant cousin of mine. David Bickley, I believe, is his name. Um, if I 
go back and look you go back and look at my cousin's uh, face my other cousin's Facebook page the one cousin that I do um, spend some time and, and conversations and, and so on with um, let me get the name right <laughs> yeah great Narmi he's your cousin you don't even know his name um, wow I'm really doing good today this is okay yeah David Bickley this is so the the post that was was put out um, this is uh, this is my cousin David had COVID-19 recovered spent weeks in the hospital um, still having a lot of issues coming out of this um, and so on issues with with walking and and really just regaining a, a lifestyle so yeah COVID-19 has become I guess somewhat personal for me again I don't I don't know David I don't know him he's a distant cousin and um, I think I'm, he may have tried to add me on Facebook uh, at one time or another I'm the guy on Facebook that I'm like you know what I don't need to be friends with everybody if I don't know you I, I'm, I'm not gonna but so no interaction has happened here do I care the fact that yes I, I'm, he's my cousin he's blood and I'm happy that he recovered and so on what makes me angry is the sharing of this story this news story and the link and, and so on has been done as a guilt trip for those people like me who are saying we need to open up our economy again and you know so that the, the posts and the so on is like, well, here's a, a, a face to, and a name to go with this thing. And so all you people who want to go get a haircut, you're just killing everybody. Right? And so, one, I'm like, I'm, I'm irritated because of the, the guilt trip that's being given. But two, now I'm looking and going, people are using my family. You know? Now, granted, I, I, I don't know David. I, I should know David, and hopefully the next time we have a family reunion, I'll get to meet him, and, and you know, we'll see. But to use, the, the people are literally using news stories about my family as a guilt trip to, you know, to beat up those of us who want to open up, and just, you don't care about people, and you just want people to die, and da-da-da-da-da, and not recognizing the fact that I, I just don't want people to lose their livelihoods either. And and so here here was the, the, the post that really got to me. Um, also shared by, by a family member of mine. Anyone arguing that only 1-2% to of the population dying isn't a big deal and is concerned about their freedom to get back to normal needs to identify one or two family members or close friends they are willing to offer up to death to save the economy or regain their freedom name them say them aloud with the same ease you offer up or dismiss someone else's friend or family member really this is this is this post came first and i i tried multiple times to formulate a response to this and I never could without just getting angry and irritated and, and just so frustrated at this because this is nothing more than an emotional BS guilt trip 
that is is usa right that it's just this is this is virtue signaling at its finest you know first off it's not 1 to 2% of the population dying if we really break down you know in a in a year or a day or whatever a, a good portion of our population dies daily and then more are born you know the i think for getting close to the first time ever i would say that the the well and i can't say that i, I, just, I should just walk that back a little bit then my opinion i'm not a, a population scientist or anything like that but with the amount of abortions that are done annually around the world and the deaths that happen around the world i would say that it's likely and I would have to look it up, and I'm sure somebody in the comments or something is going to tell me how wrong I am, that the birth rate is less than the rate of those that are dying. So we are not regenerating the population in the same way that, that we once did. And so there's always a huge amount of the population that dies. But this is... This is you people who want to open restaurants back up and you want to go back to normal. You just don't love people and you just want people to die. You know, I had one a friend of mine, the best man at my wedding, commented on a post that I had made that you're just, you're going to leave a trail of dead bodies in your wake. Well, newsflash, guys, I'm pretty sure I had this back in November and I was at church. I went to work. Um, I slept in a, in a chair upstairs because the coughing fits that I would have at night would keep my wife awake if I tried to sleep in our bed. So I ended up sleeping in a chair upstairs for a, a week or two because this, this, this cold that I had, fever, chills, coughing fit, body aches, you name it, um, shortness of breath. I mean, it caused all kinds of the symptoms that, that, that go along with, with COVID. And I went, I was at church, I was at work, I was doing everything. I passed communion. Nobody died. Nobody died. Because one, I wash my hands quite a bit. I use hand sanitizer. Um, I'm not all up in people's faces or anything like that. So the, the just general common sense things that we do on a daily basis kept that from spreading to a lot of people and killing people. I mean, other people got sick, um, you know, other people that I know that and maybe it was I gave it to them or whatever. My daughter, I'm sure, had, I think, had this in February. So, again, we, we, we the, the narrative that one or two close family members are going to die because you want to go do that, that is BS. That is guilt trip, emotionalism, virtue signaling, pick your, pick your turn. But this is garbage. Because the reality is, the true reality of it is we can do both. All the models that, that led to this kind of stuff were wrong. You know, we were told before that 2 million Americans were going to die of this. We're, we're closing in on 100,000 deaths. Is that tragic? Yes. Is that horribly higher than what our normal death rate would be? 
and, and the reality of the fact that a good percentage of those COVID-19 deaths are not COVID-19 deaths. Those people died from other things. They were just labeled COVID-19 because of whether it was convenience or, you know, more money from the government or whatever it was. We literally have Debbie Burks up on, on, a, on video saying, well, yeah, we're, we're calling anybody who we even suspect, whether they're tested or not, we're calling them COVID-19 deaths. There is a family in a church in Tooele, Utah, that had a loved one who had cancer, quit taking chemo because there really wasn't anything else they could do. So he had a $250,000 rider in his insurance policy for cancer. He died they called it COVID-19. Insurance company doesn't want to pay out the $250,000 because according to the death certificate, he died of COVID-19 and not cancer. Now they need lawyers and they have to do all this stuff because the numbers have been cooked. And I'm telling you right now, call, I'm, no, I'm not a, an expert or anything else, but I can look at reality and I can look at facts. I can look at news stories and I can add one and two one, one plus one equals two. And people who die of underlying conditions just because they happen to have COVID-19 at the same time does not mean they died of COVID-19. So these numbers are high, these, these, these statistics, and all the models were wrong. I mean, we can look at Florida. I mean, this was supposed to be a, a pile of smoldering ash after... Uh, after the spring breakers were down there doing their thing and the news stories we saw of, oh, they, they just don't care. And, and, and they literally, I mean, literally young people going, well, I don't care about COVID. I just want to come out here and, and have some jello shots and, and, and look at some pretty girls and, and do my thing. Florida did not become the pile of smoldering ash that we were, we were told they were going to be. You know, Wisconsin, when they, oh, you shouldn't be letting people go out and, and vote. They went to the voting places. It's going to, oh, so many people are going to die. It did not happen. That was a month ago. And we did not see the projected numbers and so on. You know, Texas is reopened and, and they're going, oh, there's all these new cases and, and all this stuff. Well, that's to be expected. This shutdown was never, I mean, it should not have happened the way that it did, I don't think. But it was not intended to cure the virus or to eradicate the virus. It was to flatten the curve. It was to keep from over overloading the hospital systems. Well, we've got 1.4 million people in this country who were laid off from hospitals, medical workers, because all the uh, elective surgeries were shut down. People were not going to the hospital for, for issues that were were serious issues because they were afraid to be out in public. So people with heart issues and stuff like that were not even going to the ER for things because they were afraid they were going to get COVID-19 and die because of the fear and this and the that. And then the people who are going, you just don't care and name your two family members that you're willing to give up to death because you want to regain your freedom. No. How about you name the, the, the kids in, in your community that you're okay with starving because their family lost their their restaurant or their 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 mom and pop shop of whatever it was and now they can't afford to pay their mortgage or feed their kids. I mean, two can play this game. I mean, my argument is just as ridiculous. But it's real. 
I mean, we're seeing they they just a statistic came out that 40 percent of the 36 million unemployed people who have applied for unemployment are not going to get their jobs back. Forty percent of those jobs that were shut down are not coming back. So we went from three percent to 14 percent unemployment and 40 percent of that jump are not going to go back to work, are now back in the, and looking, going to be looking for jobs. I mean, that's horrible and should not have happened. Because again, in reality, both of these things can happen. We can restart the economy and we can have people going and we can save the lives of those people who have a, a you know, are, are sensitive to this, this virus. And the reality is, and, and, it, and it, it's biblical. The Bible talks about quarantine and stuff like that. Lepers were quarantined. Women on their, on their menstrual cycle had to stay away for a period of time and so on. So we see this, this, this example and this principle of quarantining, you know, with health issues, it was the lepers were quarantined. Those who were sick, those who were, were prone to this, those should be the ones that are quarantined. You don't quarantine healthy people. You don't. You continue to go on with your lives. And then if you, and, and again, people get mad because I posted the thing. My, my frame on my Facebook page right now is you can stay home. Let me get back to my life. I never had to stop working. I've been essential. I have worked every single day. I tell you what, once this is all done, said and done and, and, our workforce at, at my work is back to 100%. I'm taking a week off. I am taking a week off, and I never take a whole week off. I am literally going to take five days in a row, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm not going to work for an entire week, and then I'm going to have the two weekends on the bookends, and I'm going to have a long time to just not work because lots of other people got to stay home. I'm going to responsibly take my vacation time and not rely on the government to pay my money and so on and so forth. I will take my time off. But stuff like this, these arguments, this irritates me. Now, again, if, if I can have the conversation as adults, but when you start throwing this stuff up, when you start telling me I'm going to leave a trail of bodies in my wake and uh, that I have to identify one or two family members, I've had two very, two, uh, well, I've had one family member and then I've had one, one friend that I just did their wedding last year who have spent time in the hospital. I've known another guy who, whose uh, grandmother, I believe it was passed away from was attributed to COVID-19. She probably had underlying issues and he admits that. But so I have not been unaffected by it, but that does not mean I have to lose my mind and, and lose my livelihood or make someone else lose their livelihood. And because I want to go out and you know, and it's not about, you know, you, well, I just want a haircut. I, I, you know, I kind of want to get back to my poker league. Full transparency. I would love to go to hang out with some people and, and play cards. But it's not about that. 
It's about my friends who own businesses and them being able to keep and maintain their livelihood and a roof over their, their heads and food on their table. That's what it's about. But when you reduce it to back to normal and my freedoms and I just want a haircut or whatever, well, no, that's just virtue signaling and that is BS emotional arguments that are, are nothing but a guilt trip. And that really irritates me. I wonder if you could tell. So how do we deal with this? Again, we look at this and we come back to a consistent worldview. What do we do as Christians? How do we do this? We love our neighbor on all fronts. If you know somebody, grandma or grandpa who's in the nursing home, don't go visit them. Do what so many nursing homes. I've done pest control in a lot of nursing homes where there are signs and stuff. People have visited their grandparents through the window. You know, they've stood outside by the window and waved and said hi and, and, you know, and had that. If that's your situation, then do that. Love your elderly relative or your relative that has underlying conditions, whether it be immunocompromised or respiratory issues or diabetes or whatever. Honor them, you know, maintain your distance. Don't go visit. Don't do whatever. But also allow for those who are young and healthy and who may get this and immediately recover. There's a 99% recovery rate. The majority, overwhelming majority of people are going to get this and recover. And then we have herd immunity. And then we have, we have resistance and, and we won't see the spikes that are there. But we have to get people out. People have to get this. And we're not going to have a vaccine for it. Sorry, guys. I hate to burst your bubble. But they are not going to produce a vaccine anytime within the next two years. I can pretty much guarantee you that. So we need to get out because we can't, we can't stay locked down for two years. This country won't survive. And Americans won't put up with it. So again... As Christians, what do we do? We love our neighbors. We go, we support those who can work their jobs and we do what we do and we, we, we live our lives not in fear, but, but live our lives of, of loving our neighbor. We uh, take care of those who are, are old or infirm and we, we, we lovingly follow guidelines to keep them safe, but we let those people who are not going to be nearly as affected by this this virus to live out their lives and continue on their, their making their livelihood and, and, and serving their coffee or giving their massages or cutting their hair or giving tattoos or whatever it is that they can do, what they do for a living and allow them to do that. And then we preach the gospel at all times and we use words because they're necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.